already lost Ryan Reeves in the first period. Three goals unanswered in the second period. And a chorus of the Bronx cheer cascading down on the Leaf Ears as they are trailing five to nothing after two periods of play. Matthews had a great chance. Centering pass. They score! They score! Holy back of Austin Matthews has scored! The game is tied! The comeback complete! Tied at five! Warinsky drops it back for Kent Johnson. A shot he scores! The Leafs come from all the way back, but I suppose Columbus are probably at least due some good luck somewhere on this. We've been saying all year this team's got no quit, and we've got a lot of trust in our locker room. Also, like I've been saying, we don't want to be in these positions a lot. And um, but when we do get in them, we got trust in the, in the ability for us to, uh, you know, go out there and do what we do. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. What they do is score with the extra attacker. Mm-hmm. Very good. NHL high, seven times they've done that with their own net empty. Of those seven, six goals coming off the stick of Austin Matthews, who had a pair yesterday and could have completed the hat trick in overtime. And boy, that would have been a fitting end to the game. Instead, it's still an amusing game to talk about, but not like yeah. the all-time great five-goal third-period deficit overcome and then two points awarded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They'll have to settle for eight consecutive games with at least a point as they move to within four points of the Bruins atop the Atlantic Division. Yeah, Pavel Datsuk will forever be the magic man, but, you know, Marner's kind of the magician here, but it's Matthews who has the late-game magic for for this team. Six of those seven, like you, like you said, in the dying seconds or dying moments with the goalie pulled all, and again, like the calendar hasn't even flipped. Forget the calendar. Mm-hmm. We're not even halfway through the season. We're barely a third of the way through through the season if we're even there yet i don't know that we are it is incredible what he has done so far i mean we can all point to the negatives of uh, hey it's the jackets i wouldn't i wouldn't like that against a lot of teams i certainly don't like that uh, against the jackets but i think there is going to be some belief that they take from this again you have to make sure they don't take the wrong message of ah we can have a bad period and it'll be fine. I don't think the, you, I think they're always going to take that message away from regular season games. Like yeah. I feel like that's ingrained in this Leafs core. And again, against regular season, this is a regular season conversation we're having right now. Mm-hmm. I don't totally begrudge them for it, especially when they still pick up the points. Yep. Right? Like the the idea that they're oh they got to build the the playoff. Um, mentality throughout the course of a regular season. We did that occasionally. Mm-hmm. And certainly in the North Division, we did that. Oh, yeah. It resulted in nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm even done with that. Like sure. showing yourself to be postseason ready over the course of a regular season. Just get there. Mm-hmm. So if I believe that and they're, they know that they're capable of doing that, it's really hard for me to, to criticize a team who is capable Like, throughout the course of the last better part of a decade of putting enough points together and coming back against bad opponents after crappy 40-minute efforts. Yeah, outside of the the bubble year where I guess there was some question about whether they were going to get in, I always thought they were going to get in. It's never been a worry for this team. They've never had the the stress. I mean, not since Curtis McElhaney stoned Sidney Crosby many Mm. moons ago to get this team in first. That was the last time they they were stressing. So I think you do have to be careful in terms of, especially from Sheldon Keefe, of the the messaging on this of a team. You don't want to be going in there like, hey boys, way to go, we did it. But you don't want to be the party pooper after you're team just scored five goals in a period to will themselves back so I think that you're I think that this is also part of why 
Sheldon Keefe, and we talked at times why he might be the wrong coach for this team or the wrong coach for the moment. I think the fact that he's been the guy who's been here and he's seen all of these ups and downs, it kind of allows him to know the right tack to take with the group after that. Of There are nights where you got to lay into them after that, yeah. and I'm sure he has, and I'm sure he did after 20 and after 40, but there's also nights where you got to kind of realize what you have, and I think that if this were... Let's say Brad Living came in and said, no, I no, you know what? I want my guy. I want somebody new behind the bench. That coach would have felt like he had to make much more of a, a point about that game or feel like it's much more dire because to him, it would be new. Oh, what's going on? But this is what this team has done. Yeah, they've done it. And, and I, I guess they're slightly different than other teams. Um, there's very few teams, though, that 82 times can put forth a 60-minute effort, even if it's not in a yep. victory, right? Like, this is kind of the nature of playing so many regular season games in a sport in which so many teams make the playoffs. Like you can't have everybody's attention all of the time. And no, but when you have four guys like the Leafs do, the hope the hope is that just one of them being engaged on those nights is enough mm-hmm. to kind of paper over it, and it has been at, at times. Hello, Austin Matthews' four-goal game and the one they lost to start his, his career. So that has happened, but I think that's the difference with this versus other teams that, you, you know, like the Blues we just talked about who are not good, but you look at them and you say, well, why can't they? Well, because they really need one or two guys to kind of be the straw that serves the drink there, and that's the whole point of the Leafs having this core four that it do, you don't need all four of them every night. In theory, you could, you should be able to get by with you know one or two on the on the night like last night against Columbus, where the rest of the team's clear. Well, yeah, yeah, at least two exactly. because Austin Matthews and and William Nylander combined for 19 shots on goal, not shot attempts. 19 shots on goal between those two playing on the same line. All right, time now for our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It is Luke Fox, Sportsnet's Leafs reporter, who joins us now. How's it going, Luke? It's going okay. Did you guys stay up for the whole thing, or yeah. did you give up? No, no, did you no. Give up? I'm, prof- <laughs> I'm nothing if not an absolute professional. Actually, Luke, I was telling the story off the top of the show that, yeah, quite often my kid will will watch the end of these Leaf games with me, and I'm like, all right, bedtime immediately following, and then maybe, like, I'm a bad parent because he's only eight years old, and that's I, I kind of late Sounds to like great parenting to, go, oh, to me. Awesome. I don't know, whatever. I so, had one period cap at that age. You're, yeah, you're generous. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, they, they, I, they sleep I, in. Like, I may they, have a three-year-old who's up way too late in these games, so, yeah, we're both bad parents over here. I yeah. mean, the, 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 yeah, the five-year-old goes to bed before that, but the eight-year-old, he usually stays up until the end, and you know what? He's not tired the next day, so I can't argue with the results. A Scoreboard, I would say, Luke. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, he stayed up with me, and it was like it was kind of one of those sporting moments that we shared together, like yeah. the, the excitement of watching that third period. I, I, I mentioned that it kind of reminded me of the Nick Taylor sixty-foot eagle putt to win the Canadian Open, which we were also watching together, and like it just felt like out of nowhere to be watching that final twenty minutes of of hockey. Of course, it's not going to go down in the annals of one of the all-time great regular season games because they didn't win it. I don't think. Like, did it have the potential to be up there amongst the the greatest regular season games in least franchise history? Well, most entertaining for sure. I mean, you know, 82 games is it becomes a bit of a slog. So it is like from an entertainment value, you need nights like that because you do remember them. Like I'm not going to forget that game. Uh, and I, I see a lot of hockey. And afterwards, Sheldon Keith said, have you ever seen a team come back from down 5-0? And he just shook his head and said, no. <laughs> like like it's, it's something you don't see. And then, uh, you know, to, to get to ask the guys questions, like, 
what was said in the second intermission, what was the feeling. And, and one, one of the things I, well, there's two things I, that really stuck out to me. One was the fact that William Nylander kind of shrugged and said, well, I mean, uh, we know we can score five. <laughs> like this, this is his confidence that they, that they could do it. And the other was Sheldon Keefe's approach. Like he, I think he really, he said he kind of thought about it. Like, do I go in and rip them? They've just been booed off the ice by their own fans. Do I go in with negativity and point at all all things they're doing wrong, or do I just challenge them? And he said, I didn't challenge them to come back and score five and win the tie the game. I challenged them to get twenty shots, and then they got twenty one shots yep. in that third in that third period. And it just shows you and, and that what they're capable of. And Austin Matthews used the word embarrassed about how they played after two. And and I think there there's some pride in that room. So, you know, we can we can pick at the negatives and there's certainly a ton of those. But uh, you know, the, it is kind of cool the fact that, that they rallied, albeit against uh one of the worst teams that are the absolute worst in the league at blowing leads, but still you gotta do it. And they came out and attacked and, and it was just like an avalanche coming. And it was it was really fun to be in the building and see the the mood of the the whole rink shift from I'm fed up with these guys to uh, these are my heroes. It, it was really awesome. Yeah, that's uh, th- that's funny to see. I mean, we've seen teams have bad first periods. I don't know that they follow it up with a second and then end up, you know, having a period like that. It was just a, a whirlwind. And yeah, it would have been really cool to, to be in the building. I want to pick up on the point, what you said about Keith there, because I think that's really an important one, Luke. And, you know, we've had the coaching conversation every year at the end of the season with this team. We've even had it a lot of times during the season. And I don't think anybody would have blamed Brad Treliving for coming in and saying, eh, you know what? I'm starting fresh. I'd like my guy here. Let's, let's have that. Let's see that happen. I don't think anyone would have blamed him for that. But if you would have had a coach that was new with this group and granted, they haven't all been here the whole time, but the bulk of this team has been with Keefe throughout their run here in Toronto. It feels like that coach would have felt like he had to get hard and get after those guys and make a point and really coach them hard and lean into them and say, this is unacceptable. But with Keefe, when there's the longer track record, there's the trust, there's the understanding of what your group's capable of. It does feel like it allows him to kind of maybe exhale in a moment that a newer coach. And again, like I'm not, I'm not saying that wouldn't have been the wrong decision for that new coach to do, but I think someone different would have had to take a way different tack than, than you telling that story about Keefe in the second intermission. No, that's, that's a really good point, Brett. I, I think you're right. And I think, he really knows these guys. Like he's one of the longest tenured coach. I think he's like up to uh, seven or eight. Like he's one of the longest tenured coaches, believe it or not, already in the NHL. And he has a firm grasp of this group. And, and even heading into the game, you know, he was asked about Columbus and he's like, yeah, you know, they, they actually score more than you think. And they're fast and they're young and uh, they kind of got nothing to lose. He's like, but I'm worried about our group because we just had an emotional, you know, trip in New York city where we got three or four points and Tavares gets his 1000th and we run over the New York Rangers in their own building and they're leading the Metro and uh, all the dads are in the trip. And it was kind of like an emotional high back to back. There was a lot of feel good vibes coming out of that road trip. And this one had let down game written all over it, right? Like the blue jackets aren't very good. They're, they're missing their captain and their leading scorer in Boone Jenner. Uh, and then you, you toss in the fact that uh, Erica Branson is serving his suspension. Like the Blue Jackets didn't have a lot, a lot of mojo going on heading into this one. And this one kind of had 
you know, Leafs let down their guard written all over it. And it's like he sensed that that could happen. Uh, and then it did. Like, for two periods, it did. And it was just like, this is, you got the full leafy leaf experience in 60-plus in minutes last night. You got everything. Uh, so he knew this was coming. So it was interesting that I know these guys. I know what I, I should say to them. There's no point beating them up. He basically was kind of like, this isn't our night. And sometimes it's not your night. Uh, and was ready to turn the page, which I think part of the reason why he didn't pull Samson off, too. But that's a good point. And, and I, I would love to know what Brad Living's thinking, because although they keep stacking points, is Keith getting the best out of them? Is it a roster thing? Because it does feel like there's another level this team could get. And you look around the league and you see how the Oilers, and Minnesota Wild are responding to their coaching change. The mm. St. Louis, St. Louis Blues win their first game after uh, firing Craig Berube. Like it's, there's already a few guys down, and it sparked the team. So I, I, you wonder if he's thinking that. So I'm sure there's some some pressure on Keith to make the right decisions all the time. Oh, that's interesting. Like, is there a sliding doors situation where if the Leafs hadn't picked up all these loser points, if they hadn't played all these? Uh, more than 60-minute hockey games, if they, in fact, were fighting for their playoff lives and there was a coaching change, would that be the ultimate best-case scenario for a Leafs team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup this year? I don't know. That's that's what I took from that. I don't know if that's explicitly kind of what you're saying, but, like, yeah, well, go ahead. No, no. It's, it, it's like, it's who knows. No, I, I think, I don't think he's lost the room at all. I don't. I, I think these guys don't mind playing for him at all. But, you know... Uh, it's been a long time and, and he knows them well and they know him well and, and maybe that's a good thing uh, but I do think that it, it feels like we've been riding a knife's edge but they keep stacking points they, yeah like, like they're right there Boston, Boston you know kind of comes back down to earth and they're within striking distance even For though sure. it feels like they haven't played their best hockey it's, it's really a you know, you, you say the regular season doesn't matter, but it's been a fascinating one. Oh, it has, 100%. And, like, just the other day, I think it was yesterday, I don't know, all the days kind of blend into each other. But I was, like, giving them credit for the fact that they have this makeshift blue line. Yeah. They had, they had questions in goal going into this year, despite the fact that Ilya Samsonov was so solid last season. We, we thought good things about Joseph Wall going into this season. They had ill-fitting parts that were handed to him by the general manager, and it hasn't been pretty... But they kept stacking up points. Like, I, I did think, like, in an overall sense, despite the fact that there's so much talent on this team and we all expected it to compete atop the Atlantic Division, that considering those mitigating circumstances and that they had to go to Sweden for a week, right? Like, the schedule hasn't been easy either. I kind of gave him credit. And and d- I thought that he was maybe deserving of, of more praise for the, the, the record the Leafs have had um, to this point through 27 games this season, Luke. Yeah, no, I, I think he's he's done a fine job. I think he's getting a lot, uh, the blue line especially, right? And and I think Keith gets credit for that. I think the players get credit for that too. Like they've, the forwards have improved their defensive game. And then I think I, I think Brad Treliving should get some credit. I mean, he's getting, he got raked over the coals early for, you know, the, the John Klingberg and, and Ryan Reeves signings, which look like rough ones. Even Tyler Bertuzzi had a, a really rough start. Uh, but his depth signings, you know, uh, yep. Noah Gregor, I think we're, we're learning that he is probably a bottom six forward, yep. but uh, fine, excellent value there. And then, you know, Simone Benoit and William Lagason, two guys that, you know, were supposed to be Marley's and have called up and called up and filled in admirably 
with all the injuries, and they're hanging in there. Um, they're getting just enough defense, just enough saves to get points uh, on a lot of nights. And, you know, that's, that's kind of all you need in, in this league. You, you, you just have to avoid those long stretches where you're not staying in, in the race. And, and, and they're doing just fine. And, yeah, they have a busy schedule the rest of this month, but they're playing a lot of subpar teams. So they should be able to survive this rash of in, in injuries. And good news is William, or sorry, uh, Timothy Lilligren is supposed to be really, really close now. Keith sounded very encouraged yesterday morning when I asked him about him. So uh, he could be coming back any day, and, and that should help things too. Yeah, that is uh, that is encouraging. And just to put a little bow on the the Keefe part of that, uh, yeah, he is the seventh longest tenured. Might be six. So, soon, might be six soon though, because uh, DJ Smith DJ was Smith? hired right yeah. before him. Yeah, so uh, not wishing ill will. You know, I love DJ, or at least everyone who listens does. But uh, but yes, I could see uh, see things trending that way in Ottawa. Who's going to start in goal on Saturday, and who should start in goal on Saturday, Luke? It really feels like it's Martin Jones's time, and. Uh, you know, shall we keep admitted that he was very tempted to pull Samson off mid-game? Uh, you know, that third goal was a was a stinker. Yuck! Uh, the 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 Justin Danforth uh, one from behind the goal line. You know, just not getting back to his post fast enough. The Johnny Goudreau shot. It felt like it went right through him. Yeah, it did. Yeah, like, it was weird. It, it was weird. Like it was just. I was like, how did it went right through his body? Like. And then, you know, after the game, like, the, he's, he's already admitted that he's had some, some mental struggles, Sam stuff earlier in the season. And, and I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is between the ears right now. I, I don't, you know, this is a goalie of high pedigree. He has it in him. We've seen it. You know, last season he had stretches where he, he played phenomenal. Uh, but he seems very fragile right now. And it's telling when the team doesn't want the reporters to talk to the starting goalie after a game. Uh, and that was the case last night. Uh, you know, I saw him, he was sitting in his stall, the room had cleared out and, and he just, he looked, he looked shook, you know, I, and I, I think, you know, I'm just imagining with his, in his head. I, I think he felt he, he, bad that he let the team down. That's happened in overtime losses before where, you know, he knows he just needs to make one more save. And if they get the win, that's fine. He just wants to contribute to the team and help them get the win. And, and they needed a save. You can't allow six. No, it's bad. And, and it, it, I can't imagine there's a scenario in, in which, you know, Martin Jones goes on a heater here until Joseph Wall returns. But maybe, like, do you almost have to force feed him? Do you have to find a spot for him to get back in there? Do you need to treat him with, with kid gloves? Or is it, like, does that not matter? Is it just about stacking up wins? Like, what if Martin Jones steps into the into the goal tomorrow night against Sidney Crosby and a, and a Penguins team that at times has struggled to score and looks good? Like, do you give him an extended run? Like, how do you, if it is a mental thing, like, how do you how do you treat that for a guy that clearly has higher upside than 33-year-old Martin Jones? Higher upside, but lower low side, I think. Like, I, so... I th- I, they've done this before is they gave him like uh, a full week, a week and a half off and let Joseph wall run with it. And part of it was wall was playing fine. And, and I think part of it was trying to get Samsonov to reset mentally and give him a break. And I wonder if we're, we're at that point again, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be some, some long discussions behind closed doors uh, between Curtis Sanford, who, who does most of the communicating 
with Samsonov, Keefe is remains pretty hands off with the goalies and takes uh, Curtis's advice for the most part. He trusts his goalie coach, and in fact, in the second inter- intermission, he talked and Curtis went to bat for Samsonov and said, "Let him." go back in there and battle it out. And, and maybe part of the reason is they thought it was a lost cause and, you know, keep Martin Jones fresh for Saturday. I don't know. But basically they lean on the goalie coach to to be the, the go-between and, and to talk to Samsonov. And, you know, maybe – so I think there's going to be some discussions heading into this game and does he need another break, um, you know, some time to get his confidence back because, uh, you know, yeah, he got a point on Long Island, but he wasn't completely happy with his game there. And uh, it, it fell off the rails last night. Uh, and it, it's, the team has to protect him better. Like, that that's another point. I'm not, it sounds like I'm pinning this all on, on the goaltender. I said the exact same thing, Luke. You're bang they, on. They, they, they couldn't clear the zone at the beginning. Like, if you have a goalie that you know is having kind of an up-and-down season needs to get into a group you have to play way better as a team defensively. You have to clear the zone. You have to box out. There was some easy access to his net as well. So uh, I'm not trying to be one-sided and, and, and rag on, uh, on Samsoff here. But you, you, I think the team senses, like, we can get into a, a rhythm here where we are keep stacking points and we can try and get a number one seed because whoever draws the wild card, there are some bad teams in the East. Some bad team is going to get the eighth seed. And wouldn't it be great to have the first seed? So I think you've got to try and, and stack wins. And Martin Jones has, just has a way different demeanor. You know, uh, I, I do think he's, you know, an average, probably an average goalie. But he's a veteran goalie who's been thrust into some, you know, pretty pressure-packed situations the two times he has appeared in as a leaf. One was in relief of, of Joseph Wall all of a sudden going in cold. And the other was Madison Square Garden facing a pretty dangerous Rangers team, and both times he got the win. Like it wasn't, you know, the prettiest performance, but he got it done. And he's very, he's very calm in there. Like he's not chasing his his rebounds and looking lost. So I do think there's a world where Jones goes on a bit of a run here. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if you're going to give him the net on Saturday, it's the Rangers again on Tuesday. I suppose the soft landing spot is in Buffalo on Thursday, or you get Columbus a couple Saturdays from from now after that for the Leafs. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Last one before we let you go. You mentioned Lilligren really close. That is excellent news. Uh, Boy, do they need him. Is it as simple, you know, he's on LTIR right now. He doesn't make exactly the same money, but I saw Reeves is expected to miss, quote, some time. Do you think that that just kind of, they kind of wash each other off on the LTIR front? I mean, we all know they want to spend Klingberg's money, but uh, unfortunate thing to say but it's the cap world we live in that i know some people saw revo go down last night and was wondering hmm is that 1.3 available is it as simple as lilligren just kind of eats that up when he comes back yeah yeah it could be and and then you could send uh lejoie down to i mean he right now he they got the the seventh defenseman they're carrying right they're at home for a couple games so uh you know uh, i'm sure it won't be a a huge deal It, it the 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 real thing was for Keith, he wanted Lilligren to get in some hard practices. Like he's had some morning skates, but he hasn't had like a full hour hard practice with the team to, to put more stress on the ankle. And they were going to practice today. It was kind of curious, and I wonder how much of this has to do with the, the illness that's running through the team right now. Mm. But they announced practice, and then uh, you know, less than an hour later, they announced that they called off today's practice. Mm. And I wonder if that's to get the guys rest, but. 
to the Lilligren point, it's not about LTI. It's more about they wanted him to get some practices in before they give him the green light. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hopefully they, they all return to full health. I know I was dealing with the sickness. Today is like the first day I feel like as close to 100% as you're going to feel in December. So, like, shout out to me. Uh, shout out well, to you. Well, you wouldn't know it for, you, you wouldn't know it the way you perform, Ben. <laughs> oh, like, look at that. It's Mike, Jordan flu Michael game stuff. Thor- Michael Jordan flu game every morning. Yeah. <laughs> you honestly, Luke, you joke. You should have seen us Friday morning last week, both of us in cold sweats tracking an Otani flight. It was genuinely the most harrowing radio performance of all time. It was. We got through it, though, man. Uh, great chat, buddy. Talk soon. Okay. Have a good one, guys. You too. Luke Fox, Sportsnet's uh, Leafs reporter. He was our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Uh, the other most harrowing moment, also Blue Jays related for me, was when uh, our beloved boss, Ryan Fabro, uh, last summer called me in on an off day while I was on the golf course telling mm. me I had to come in and uh, fill in on Blue Jays. And then I lost my voice during a rain delay. Mm. And then I got told, uh, hey, you stick around, do Jays talk too. So that was the next most mm. harrowing performance. But it's on your list. Last Friday, fever dream. Did mm. that show even happen? Maybe. I don't even know. God. Is Who can gonna be- say? Man. Speaking of golf, like you just said, yeah. golf. I know it wasn't the nut no, of no, it's what okay. you were talking about. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I just heard golf. I, I don't know. You said something else about yeah, like the Jays. I forgot game. what I, I said don't know. actually. Oh, I, I was playing golf. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Isn't it like going to be 10 degrees today? It was warm. I like grabbed my coat and I know there's courses like open this yeah, weekend. Yeah. Also, well, I just saw. I saw Tiger Woods. Well, I know that. I was also going to bring that looking up. Looking strong. I know that PNC. you saw that because, like, you're qu- you're tweeting yeah. during the show. You're doing okay. a little quote tweet okay. of, of Luke, Tiger. Luke Fox, Luke Fox knows that I if I I don't have enough brain capacity to hold mm-hmm. two things in my mind like mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. But I'm very confident in my ability to hold golf thoughts and leaf thoughts mm. in this cranium at the exact same time. God. Those two just swim. They mix perfectly together. I know this sounds stupid mm. because this is how it goes. Charlie Woods looks like taller. Like he looks very different than last we saw him yeah, at, at he, the PNC. That's yeah, the way like you growing have, up. You works. Have I know. Yeah. I know. And I'm sure Tiger would be like, yeah, yeah I don't really know. Every it's day I yeah, see him. Yeah. I know. I, Cause I deal with this. My, my children is yeah. that like, Oh my God, your kids are huge. I'm like, are they, they look the same size to me, but yeah, no, Char- yeah, Charlie I'm, Woods like looks like he does. An, almost like an adult. Now I know he's in high school, mm-hmm. won a state championship or I don't know. He won yeah. a bunch of tournaments. Even though like, he was like, he had yeah. the worst score of, all the players in that high school team? No comment, yeah. All right, but yeah. uh, How much of your sporting consciousness is going to be focused on the PNC Championship this weekend? Yeah, like all of it because they time it well to stay away from the other sports I care about. It's Mm. like, yeah, I'm going to watch it all morning on Saturday and then I'm going to watch the Leafs on Saturday night and we'll watch it all morning on Sunday when I'm not at the rink with my kids skating and then Mm. I'm going to be doing it. And yeah, it's... uh, it is just remarkable. I'm so excited to watch Tiger back. And the thing about this one is that it just gets to be fun feels. Like, who cares? Yeah. It's a PNC. Just don't die, please. Shout out to those who are going out to the golf course this weekend, though. Massive shout out to yeah. those people. It's. I, are you shouting yourself out right no, now? No. I, I, honestly, I put them away. Well, like, what's that mean? It, 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 you can't it, get them? I can get them. Do you need help? <laughs> I mentally I'd have to get to a different place because mm. I did like I I put my golf brain away too and also we're in oh, the midst of need, children like playing hockey on the weekends. Well, you need I like 
no shots fired, but shot fired. Like there's a lot going on in your golfing brain. So I, yes. I feel like it's like the oh, uh, yeah. whole wing of your home that it's taking uh, right. up now. Yeah. Boy, it's like Christmas nice, decorations come out and all the storage space they take up. It's like your golf brain just yeah. immediately goes there. All right, we'll get back to hockey in a second here. As we talk to okay. Devin Dubnik. <laughs> Good with me. Before, Either or. Uh, we'll talk about what's going inside, uh, going on inside the head of Ilya Samsonov with the uh, former NHL goalie, Devin Dubnik, currently NHL Network Analyst. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Maybe Leafs came back from 5-0 yesterday. Got a point. Eight straight, they've gotten a point. Hockey Night in Canada against Kyle Dubas's Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow night. It's it's warm in the city of Toronto. Headed up to a high of like eight-ish. Today it is December 15th. Christmas is a week Monday. Mm. Golf courses are open. Like I know my local is, yeah. is definitely open. I, I know this is the first time I've ever played golf at this particular golf course, mm-hmm. which at this point, unless they want to give me free golf, will not be named. Okay. But uh, people, it, this is, it's one of those... Public golf courses. Yeah, that, I personally like, think they should give you free golf just for one. I agree, but yeah, it's one of those golf courses that like maximizes it, the amount of time it's open. Right. It it would have to be like accumulating <laughs> okay. snow for this place to close, and it has snowed. Is it'll be there'll be people on the golf course today. Let's talk to Devin Dubnik, former NHL goalie, NHL <laughs> network analyst. How's it going, Devin? Good, good. Waking up still. All right. We understand you're a golfer. True or false? Yep. True. Yeah, okay. And, and your guy lives yep. in, in uh, Minnesota and in environs. Uh, so you, you would also understand that, like, you got to maximize the amount of season that you can play in golf. Like, what is an acceptable climactic uh, action for you to play golf in? Like, it's eight degrees, sunny, maybe a little bit of a breeze today. Obviously, the sun goes down at like 3.30, but like, is that an acceptable temperature for Devin Dubnik to play golf in? Absolutely. I go lower than that. It all depends. I just, I won't go low. You know, I go, I go three, four, five degrees. Attaboy. Is it sunny? All day. The, the thing is, if it's, if it's like a little bit rainy or anything, no way. Yeah, I know. That's gross. You get a little bit wet and, and then it's just miserable, but sun's out. Bundle up a little bit. I might even wear shorts. <laughs> shorts. I don't know if I'd take it there. Honestly, yeah, rain, obviously, like, that's a no-go. Like, a little bit of a breeze. I can do, I think five is my limit with, like, a little bit of breeze and sun. But, like, once you get below five, I can do three or two as long as it's sunny and no wind. To me, wind, yeah, yeah wind is the wind. deciding factor there. That's wind no good. Death. And then what do you do with gloves? Because, like... I I I shared this picture on on Twitter a number of weeks ago that I play uh, quite often with my dad, who like literally has like the big winter gloves that he would put on his hands in between shots. He looks like he's using a snowblower, not a push cart. Yeah. What yeah. what is what is the glove process for you, Devin? I've never I've never worn it. We had a we had a tournament at my course, and they gave out a uh, this thing. I haven't used it yet. I think it's made by G Four. Um, and it's like the like a quarterback pouch. But it's electric, so <laughs> yes, it's like, you know, like I've it, seen this. It heats itself. Titleist makes um, this. So you just yeah, and so you just wear it around the back, and and you press the button, and and it heats it up. And then you, I haven't used it yet, but then you stick your hands in there, and so that's. If I get the opportunity, I know it's nice and mini right now too, so I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know, our course isn't open there. They're mm-hmm. doing some rentals, but I might try to sneak out next week if it stays this way. Yeah, I would love I would love for you to be able to do that because mm-hmm. I was saying, like I was saying to Ben, like this time of year just always gets me. It's like when, when I immediately am in the aftermath of golf season, I go, okay, like that's fine. Like I've played a mm-hmm. lot of golf this summer. I can I can go without, but now it's been like a month and I am truly, truly Christmas dying. day would be a nice day to golf. You, the kids open the presents and then they and then, get to play with it and then you head out <laughs> to the golf course. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, I. Uh, that's when I realized retirement kind of sucked with nothing to do because... <laughs> And when I first had to sign with anybody, you know, everybody goes off to training camp, and as soon as the kids go back into school, my golf course is like three minutes from from my front door. So we drop the kids off at school, nine thirty tea time, three four times a week. Get home, chill for a bit, pick them up from school. I'm like, you know, this isn't so bad at all. These guys are are working their butts off, and then all of a sudden. All of a sudden, it was like the first week in November, the weather mm. comes, courses close, starting to get dark outside. I'm like, oh, yeah. this does suck. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel, man, because, like, we work, we work morning, so, like, the afternoon in the summer, wide open for me. And, yeah, it's definitely uh, that perk goes away once, uh, once uh, the summer starts to dry up a little. Oh, God, I could, I could talk to you about golf all day. We should probably... <laughs> probably talk a little hockey here though although again don't tempt me with a good time of talking golf uh for for way way too long you know it's been a it's been an interesting year and or i shouldn't say interesting year it's been kind of an interesting time in the nhl for for goalies you know we kind of had that switching of the guard of the you know with luongo his his jersey getting retired last night kind of made me think about this of or going in the level of excellence of you know you had luongo and and the lundquist that era is kind of passed and now you have the the shesterkin or your hell you buck you know that kind of group of guys that the top is there a is there a young goalie up and coming that you look at and I don't know maybe it's Carter Hart in Philly maybe it's somebody else that you say that guy feels like they're they're right there adjoining that that group that group of elite goalies that we we talk about I don't know if this is the right thing the right answer to your question but I'm a, I'm a big Jake Odger fan and and I know no, I think it's a great answer around for a long time but he's still he's still that good and um, adding to that. Uh, watching Thatcher Demko this year, I would go ahead and throw him in that category. I don't think, you know, I think there might have been there might have been some injuries going on in the past that wasn't allowing him to to play like at full health. And but I mean, watching him this year, I know I think he had surgery last year and or over the summer or something. But watching him this year, um, he's the real deal. So. I would throw them him in there as well. Yeah, I think those are those are two great names. And yeah, it's funny you you mentioned Ottinger. I always forget to throw him into that club, but boy, he is certainly certainly a part of it. I uh, I've seen it with my own eyes uh, when when we've been lucky enough to to see it. Well, I guess unlucky enough in in the Leafs' case to see him in Toronto. I couldn't help but notice. Uh, those two guys you mentioned are, are American. You know, you, you were part of a Canadian goaltending system coming up, ba- playing on World Juniors or being part of the roster there. What do you think it is about, uh, and, you know, goaltending, we always are searching for answers and everything, but it does feel like Canada as a country has had a, we've had a bit of a problem kind of producing the truly elite guys a, a, as of late. Maybe you think I'm off base in that, but do you think there's something to the way we develop goalies versus the the rest of the world? I I don't know if that's the answer. I think you're right, um, which is weird because forever um, growing up and through through the I mean my my whole career even in the NHL yeah. pretty much, um, you know Canada had had 
some of the best goalies, like when they're rostering Olympic teams, you know, they got five guys to pick from. And, and uh, we, I was just talking about this the other day, not the other day, but maybe in the summer with Dave Reed. And we were thinking, like, you know, if you if there was Olympics right now. Mm. Slim pickings. You, you'd, have, you'd have, like, Russia. Russia's going to have, you know, four guys. Like, they obviously, they're, they're big three, Vasilevsky, um, Shesterk and Sorokin, and then, you know, Kachetkov, yeah. the fourth guy, like, he's pretty good, too. Um, you go to Finland, you got uh, Soros and... I don't. I don't need to go through every yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweden, but like all these countries, they got like three, four guys, and and then I'm like, same with same with the U.S. Right, Hellebuck, Demko, um, whoever, yeah. and then I'm like, who who would be on Team Canada? Yeah, you got like your Hart, your Bennington, yeah, your Blackwood, right. and again, like you know, I'm not saying none of those guys can do it, but it'd be nice of them to show it. Like, yeah, it's it's it is yeah. weird. Do you think there's something to the fact of just that? You know, I think back to you know we're gonna have the World Juniors kick up here, and it always feels like uh, when Canada wins, Canada wins, and when Canada loses, and this is the wrong way to look at it, but more times than not, it feels like the goalie lost it for them. Like, do you think there's just something and not that goaltenders don't have pressure growing up in other, other countries, but it, it, I, I wonder if there's just that element of it, that it just seems like, and again, not that, you know, Connor Bedard wasn't under pressure. Macklin Celebrini is not going to be under pressure this year, but it, do you think there's some element of, of that, that it's just the, you know, the goal for Canada and any international competition is always gold. And it does feel like, you know, fair or not the first place that the finger gets pointed. If you don't do that is, is goaltending. Do you think there's something to, to that? maybe being the issue with us developing goalies? Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the issue developing goalies. I think, you know, they got to dig deeper than that. But it's, it's Canada's a tough place to play in. Like, they, uh, they, the people are quick to jump on the goalies. And, and uh, you know, we, again, it's been – and it hasn't been this way for a while, but uh, for a long time, like, Canada, Canada dominated World Juniors and – it just was. It just became expected to win, but like these other countries, just every year. I mean, it's been like this for a while, but they just keep getting better and better and better, and so they can score too. So it's like, you know, Canada gives up four or five goals, and people don't think that should happen. But these these other teams are pretty darn good too. Mm. So it's not like pure domination at all um, anymore. And, but I mean, you go, you go to go to Canadian city, you go to Canadian NHL city, and if they're losing games, mm. guess who they're pointing at? Yeah, I guess I'm not doing my part either because neither of my kids are being pushed towards the the, the goaltending field. No, like, we're I'm, pushing them far away. Oh, as we yeah, can. Like, sorry, no I, offense. Yeah, I gave him a shot. Char- he tried away. it once in in house league. I was like, "Do you like it?" He's like, "Not really." I was like, "Perfect." Like yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> not not at all pushing back on that idea. Uh, so Leafs have their own little goaltending conundrum right now with uh, Joseph Wall out, who's been great this season for the most part. But American, uh, yeah, I know. Hey, you can't even convince yourself that that he would be in the mix uh, for Team Canada because he's not Canadian. Um, but yeah, uh, they, they have a guy in, in in Samsonov who was great a season ago. But clearly, throughout the course of his entire career, he's been inconsistent. He was at his best last season, immediately when Matt Murray went on the shelf, and there was no there was no backup plan for him. And I do wonder, going into this season, he was yeah, he was the starter for the first two games of the season. But he could see a situation in which he would 
lose the job and in fact did pretty quickly off the, the hop when, when Wall was better than him. Now Wall's on the shelf again and he's the unquestioned number one. I wonder if there are just some guys that, that, that can't deal with the idea of somebody breathing down their neck, somebody in their rearview mirror. Like, do you have experience in that, Devin? Yeah, there's, I mean, everybody ticks differently. And, and some guys, they, some guys like it. Um, some guys don't like, I, I always, some guys, especially younger guys, um, potentially thrive off of having somebody there. Uh, almost, I call it like a security blanket. And and they it's almost the opposite way. When they get playing well, they got a guy on the bench that they know if if they falter will be there. Sometimes that helps them because it's it's less pressure. And then you'll see you know if that if that guy gets hurt or something, and there's nobody, there's no security blanket there. Those young guys sometimes will will falter. And then you got the other side of it. Um, potentially with Samson, I mean, we'll never know if that's the case. But like I said, everyone ticks differently where maybe he doesn't like that. He doesn't like feeling like maybe for him, he feels like if he goes out and doesn't play well, he's going to lose his job. And he's thinking about that. He think, should be thinking about something else. And then when the guy gets hurt, he, know, he knows it's his net and he doesn't have to think about it. And he goes, so it can go both ways. And only, only he knows if that's truly the case, but uh, it certainly would seem that way. Uh, before we let you go, we've already seen three coaches fired here before Christmas in the NHL. I know you played on some teams, certainly those Oilers teams who had some coaching changes. I think that they were all in the offseason. Maybe not, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong there. Like It does feel, though, and certainly this has happened in Edmonton, uh, it, it, you can argue it was just a matter of time before that, that team got its, its stuff together, but like coinciding from... You know, a coaching change, and they they go on an eight game winning streak, and then you know some goaltending let let them down last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we do see it time and time again that an in season coaching change can can spur a team on to to great things beyond that. Like, is there anything to that? Like, do the players consciously like does something change mentally for them when that happens? Like, how do you explain what seems pretty apparent? Well, there's definitely going to be a boost, and it just depends on how long that boost goes for if the team's good enough. But it's like, I think when you have a guy, when you have a coach that's been there for a long time, um, whether it doesn't matter if they're a good coach, bad coach, uh, obviously it wouldn't be bad if they'd been there for a long time. But if if they got a lot of guys that have been there for a long time, like it's just natural. That's why coaches have shelf life because guys kind of get comfortable. They hear the same message. They know what their role is. They've, they've developed a rapport with the coach. And, you know, the accountability might start going down a little bit because of what they've done in the past. And all of a sudden you get a new guy in there, a new set of eyes, and he's, he doesn't owe you anything. He's, he's looking to evaluate right away. And all of a sudden, you know, you're not guaranteed that ice time. You're not, you gotta, you gotta re-earn everything uh, and show a new set of eyes that might not know about much about you might not, care what you've done in the past shouldn't care what you've done in the past as much and i think that just gives the guys you know guys guys kind of open up and look in the mirror and and get a little uh extra pep in their step when they're getting out there because they got they got a new person that they have to both impress and uh and earn their spot 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Last last one. I I lied. I have one more that I wanted to ask you before we let you go. Uh, this is a guy you would have played in the Western Conference against uh, for for a handful of years. And you know, I know goaltenders don't play against each other, but uh, we always think you think you do. Martin Jones. You know, it felt like he was kind of lost in the wilderness for a bit. He takes this you know league men deal with the Leafs to be the third goalie, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's entirely possible he gets the start tomorrow. Hockey night in Canada against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Are you surprised to see him? Maybe finding uh, another NHL life here and just uh, your memories, uh, some of those battles I imagine you would have had against him in, uh, in your, your Western Conference years. Well, I actually played with him um, in San Jose oh, okay. last year for a little bit. Uh, great, great guy. Very calm. Very calm. You can could, you could see him in the net too. He's uh, very, very calm in the net and, and um, he was fun to play with, but it's good to see him. I mean, not, not all guys want to, Want to go and uh, he's. I'm assuming he's played some for the Marlies this yeah. year, right? When yeah. when Wall's healthy, so yeah. I mean, it's nice that that's in Toronto. So um, it's not like he's he's bouncing around when he comes up and down, but it's good to see him get another opportunity. Like he said, he's a, he's a good guy, and you'll you'll see when you watch him. He's he's super calm in the net, and he had, he played well in uh, Seattle last year. I think one, at one point he was like nine and zero. And in, in, in he was like at a nine game, not nine and all, but he had a nine game winning streak going, and so he had a good year, and he wants to keep playing. So it's always nice to to see when guys are are willing to take that deal that they're going to get an opportunity to play some games. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, at least happy that they were able to snake him through waivers at the beginning of the year as well. Uh, Devin, yeah. al- always appreciate the time. Thanks, man. All right, thanks, guys. See ya, Devin Dubnik, former NHL goalie, NHL Network analyst. An hour earlier as well, again, mm. Central Time Zone. Yeah. So don't early. don't everyone get, a, oh, he's just waking up. Uh, yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah, he's in the Central Time no, Zone. No, like, right? look, no one's Charles Davis getting up at 4 <laughs> o'clock in the morning to talk NFL with us. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I will say, I think if, if Jeff Asbarty asked uh, Devin Dubnik to come on at 4 in the morning, he'd probably say no, I think. I based on that. say that's fair. And guess what? Yeah, agreed. I would also say no. Okay. So Martin Jones again. Yeah. Only- people, people are talking me into this, by the way. That Martin Jones is starting tomorrow? No, no, no. Just, like, don't be, like, that this is He's going to get an extended run? That this isn't the worst-case scenario Okay, this is what I wanted to ask you, because I think Luke put it, because I was like, oh, ceiling's much higher. The upside, and that pretty clearly is the case with Ilya Samsonov, the upside is much higher. There's a guy with the 918. He had a, whatever it is. He had a 918 save percentage a season ago, and he outplayed Andre Vasilevsky over six games to win a postseason series for the Toronto Maple Leafs a season ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think Martin Jones, despite the fact, again, he's only 33. He's not 43. He's 33. I don't think Martin Jones, even after that nice little run with the crack, and he finished with an 887 save percentage a season ago. I don't. He did. I don't think he's doing that. But Luke said, "Okay, the ceiling might be higher." With Ilya Samsonov, mm-hmm. but the floor is lower mm-hmm. with Samsonov than it is with Martin Jones. Do you believe that to be the case? I think in I think in this moment in time, it's possible. I think if you're able to get Ilya Samsonov right, I don't think his floor is 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 lower than Martin Jones. But I think right now, yeah, it's possible. This is a guy who's fighting it. We've seen him fight it. We know what it looks like when he does that. So, yeah, I think it's entirely possible. I don't think people should get ahead of themselves of what Martin Jones can be for this team. But a calm guy has been in big games before, not going to get phased by the moment. 
Maybe not great anymore. Like, we should also throw that part into the equation. There's a reason the Leafs could have him for league men, okay? But given the, you know, the demeanor he has, I think that is just as big a thing for this Leafs team as any. Like, go make the first save in a game and make them think they have a chance, which has been a problem for this team when they've gotten to third stringers in the past as well. That's what I'm saying. This Leafs team doesn't need, hey, it would be great to have somebody reaching the high ceiling, but it doesn't... If you had to choose between a guy who has a high ceiling but low floor Mm -hmm. or as opposed to a guy with a lower ceiling but a higher floor, I'm taking the second guy 100 times out of 100 with this Leafs team. This team does not need, again, who wouldn't love to have an Elias Sorokin? Yes, yes. You know, Shusterkin, like, yeah, obviously. But, like, if you're saying, would you rather have your goalie, like, steal you a couple Mm -hmm. of games a month or not kill you? At all throughout the course of a month. I'm taking the guy that's not going to kill me. For if that is Martin Jones and numbers would suggest that it's not mm-hmm. because 880 save percentage, that guy's yep. killing you. Yep. He that, gave up four against Rangers. That, that guy is murdering you in mm-hmm. cold blood. But yeah, Martin Jones, calm dude who's just making the saves that's required, you know, not, not giving up five on 15 shots like that's that works with this group. It definitely does, and it definitely does in the regular season. You could have the argument that in the playoffs yeah, yeah, you still want the nuclear deal. guy who can go nuts, but, but Joseph regular Wall season will be back. By exactly, then. exactly. Or if he's not, then yeah, maybe the conversation's different. Where you gotta you gotta force feed uh, Ilya Samsonov, or maybe Martin Jones finds it. Honestly, it's a goaltender in the NHL. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> Michael right. Layton played in the Cup final. <laughs> It's true. That's a good point. All right. Uh, this has been the Fan Morning Show. Fan Annis, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Have a great weekend. Good morning. Good morning.